Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here today to talk to Lisa Fritz, who is one of my clients who I just admire so much for so much of the tough work that she's done, as well as what she does every day in her life. So Lisa, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Amal. So great to be here and wonderful to be part of this journey with you. So thank you. One of the reasons I wanted you to talk to everyone today is because you have gone through in your uh, self-growth journey, something that I think a lot of people go through. What I'd love for you to do is talk a little bit about what you do in your background. Sure. So I work in healthcare. So I work for a large national organization. I've been doing, you know, been in this industry for over 30 years, which sounds insane. And right now what I'm doing is I act as our revenue officer. So I'm I'm an account manager for one of our largest clients, which is really our parent company. Awesome. Okay. So let's get right into it. I want to talk to you a little bit about or maybe share your story, because I think it's really impactful. As I told you, so many people are feeling a high level of stress right now. And I think your story will help people to see that if they're feeling that there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. So when you and I met, could you talk a little bit about how you were feeling at the time? Sure. You know, when you and I met, I was really examining sort of where I was within my career in my, I had a really kind of specific objective. I wanted you to help me get my resume updated and see what else is out there and, and you know, take potentially another leap into either a different path or whatever. And I was feeling a little bit unsure and unclear and unconfident as to like, where do I want to go with this? And what does that look like? And you really started to, you know, you pulled me back to say, you know, let's get clear about who you are and what you want and how you're showing up in this journey uh, in order to clarify what that is. And and that's, you know, kind of part of that map that I have is I want to read the book and put it into play and be done with it. Right. I want, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so that was sort of my tactical solution. And you really helped me kind of peel the layers and the onion and start to just reflect because through this journey, work, family, relationships, uh, you get really focused on the the tasks and the doing, and it left really little time for self-reflection and, and kind of redirection. So, so yes, that's such a great point. Cause I remember you wanting, and this is not just you, Lisa, everybody does that. Or a lot of people yeah. do. They say, let's, all right, just tell me what to do. I get yeah. it. I get it. Let's just tell me what to do. And I noticed that that's very common with high achievers too, because yeah. we're just getting into action and getting things done. Sometimes we're not as comfortable. And I noticed this with you with the emotional side. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. But we're yeah, so what what would you say your level of stress was when we met? Oh, it was super high. It, it was super high. And I felt like I remember one of my aunts had used to have this plaque hanging in her kitchen and it would say, you know, the faster I go about the behinder I get, you know, that was sort of how I felt was kind of on this treadmill going nowhere mm-hmm. and not, not fully aimless necessarily, but just I was pining, I think, for, I think when I first started my career, I had this, God, you could not pay me and I would do this job. You know, I'm loving this, you know, and you had a sense of creativity and wonder and openness and flow. And I was, I just did not have flow in my life. You know, I had like every decision 
from, you know, what am I going to wear to what do the kids need to do and what's for dinner? And all of those seem to sort of take a lot of mental capacity. And really, it, it was a place of just uncertainty. And I just didn't have you know, that, that confidence, right. You know, I talked a lot about confidence and, and what's sort of causing that. And is this an outside job? Is this an inside job? And, and we really kind of went inside to kind of un- uncover some of those, you know, the, the math and the, those patterns. Yeah. So that's funny because it just kind of made me smile as you could see us smiling here when you said that, because that's the most uncomfortable part of the coaching process is to uncover the areas that not only can sometimes limit you, but also are causing you pain. Mm -hmm. Because when I met you, I remember feeling really bad in a way because you are clearly highly, highly intelligent and you are very good at your job and you're a great mom and wife and all of that, right? Um, You had a lot of great things in your life, but I could see that you had this high level of anxiety going on. And I think we uncovered fairly quickly that part of the issue for you, and I don't want to lead you, but you t- correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the issue for you was that you didn't feel confident and as a leader, because you, at the time you were in a leadership role at work, am I right? Yeah. And yeah. even making decisions at work, you second guessed yourself a lot. Am I Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was sort of a new, it was a pivot. You know, I had been, um, we had launched, you know, this, this product in a new part of a new division of our organization. And then we were bringing on, you know, this, we were acquired an organization, I was asked to partner with that and sort of take some of my history and sort of, you know, pivot into that role. There was uh, some newness there, as far as um, new skills that I hadn't really worked on, you know, I had to get comfortable with asking questions and being okay with not knowing the answers and uh, doing it in a, in a pretty simple way. And also recognizing what could be done versus what couldn't be done, considering, you know, the capacity we had to do it with. Right. And I think we had made pitches for, um, for staffing to support, you know, some of this work. And when that didn't materialize, I had to really reassess and say, you know, what is it that we can do? And, and how do we sort of focus on that work within the capacity versus just saying yes, right? Because part of my map too is, you know, which I think is kind of, you know, common for a lot of women is just say yes, people yeah. please be grateful, right? And um, don't ask for too much. Don't be, you know, don't be too much. And so I had to sort of, you know, tie, keep that balance between how much do I fight for something, you know, to kind of grow with this versus how do I set sort of expectations you know, within appropriate and reasonable limits. Yeah. So that totally, you get into the, your whole map, right? So let's totally. talk about, yeah. so I told everyone before a map is very simply, I mean, this is a simple way to explain it. It's the way we learn to meet our, our most important emotional needs when we're young. Yeah. And when we're young, we don't have, you know, our mind's not fully developed. So we use the tools that we can. And the three needs are to feel love and connected, to feel safe and secure, and to feel significant or worthy. Now, when I say those three things, love, secure, and worthy, what comes to you most? What do you think at that time was most important to you to feel? Um, You know, I think secure is a big part of that map for me is, you know, that level of security. Um, Yeah. Yep. So what I saw with you is that 
because of the map you created and everybody has a map it's not just you this is just happens to be your map and like you said it is tougher for many women to say to set boundaries and to say no we're so used to just like I, like people pleasers people right please yeah absolutely like I have seen that with men but this does seem to be a common pattern with some women and uh that was your map that's not who you yeah. are that's where you went at that moment when you were under your most stress and pressure because you had things going on in your life. You're right. an amazing, dynamic, strong woman. But when you were getting into the, remember your drama mode, what was your drama mode called? <laughs> so, yeah. So my drama mode um, was poor little Mary Martyr. Uh, poor little <laughs> Mary Martyr. Um, you know, and, and that, you know, sort of fed right in, right. Yes. I'll say yes. And then, you know, that resentment, um, my husband is fabulous at taking care of himself. He works out, he eats well, he makes time for friends. He goes on ski vacations and, you know, and he's a great model for me. You I know, but I, oh, totally. <laughs> when, when we did, you know, his 50th, I, I was like, live like Rick, you know, that was sort of our, our theme for the, his, his birthday party, because he's, He's fabulous at it. And he's, um, he's very, you know, he's highly effective. He's highly organized. He's very focused on getting, you know, the right things done. But for me, I was, you know, poor little Miss Mary Martyr, right? I'll be the martyr. I'll do this. I'll do that. And of course, you you can't expect someone to show up for you if you don't ask, right? So that was where some of the resentment would come in, you know, because he would go out with his friends and I'd be home doing whatever, I thought I had to do. And that wasn't on him. That was totally on on my inability at that time to ask for my needs to get met or put myself first and plan for that. Really say, you know, well, I deserve that too. Yeah. You know, and that's been really a big change for me. I now plan trips with my friends. I now have a weekend where I will bring my my cousins, you know, we do kind of a girls weekend retreat and we haven't done it since COVID. So I need to reintroduce that again, you know, but I'm making time for that now and really putting myself first and balancing my needs with those of my, my family, my work, my friendships, you know, everything else. So it's that whole pattern and that whole tapestry of my life that I've been able to sort of prioritize and set a time when I'm done work at this time and I'm going to move on to my personal life. Oh, you never used to do that. I remember. Never used to. That was really tough for you. Work was your security, right? If I remember. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Work. And that was modeled, you know, growing up, you know, we had a family business growing up and everything was, and it was a, it was a motel. So it was a 24 seven. Right. So, you know, couldn't go anywhere on the weekends because we had the motel because, of course, you didn't make enough money to hire other people to run it. So you could go on vacation. It was, you know, front and center. Plus, my father worked outside of the home. So work ethic was really ingrained with us, you know, since we were very young. I mean, as early as second grade, you know, I was working. We were doing jobs in the the motel. And since then, everything, even in school, I would clean the lunch table so that I to earn my lunch as part of that uh, upbringing. So that work ethic was really critical and ingrained in us as part of our, our upbringing. And that that was definitely my place of security, my place of confidence and my place of feeling, you know, feeling good. So that's what I was going to ask you. So when we met, you were amazing at what you did, but there was a little bit of lack of confidence, like you said, and that was probably caused by 
you having to feel that you had to have things a certain way, right? And then maybe not allowing yourself to ask for help. And I love how you mentioned about Rick because it brings up a thought for me that I see with a lot of people and myself included when I'm coaching people, we assume what the other person's thinking. So we don't always assume positive intention and we don't always, and so we're a lot of times we won't ask for help because we just assume they're not going to want to help me. Right, right, right. So used to be resentful in our head that we have a whole story in our head. So I, Absolutely. Or, or it is, you know, when they help out, well, you're not doing it the way I, you know, we criticize, right? Like how how crazy is that? You know, I, I still catch myself doing that. Right. You know, because again, that's kind of where you get your own, where I've gotten my self-worth is look what I've done. Let me show you what I've done. Right. And it's that, it's that growth between being independent to interdependent. Right. And I think the other part that when we worked on you know, sort of my strategic vision for the year, one of the places that we talked about was, you know, delegation, right? And so we had three questions that we put together that I still use, right? I have it taped up to my wall. And that is, does it have to be done right now, right? That sense of urgency, which makes it really difficult to prioritize. The second thing is, you know, does it have to be done by me? Or does it have to be done at all? And, And does it fit within my goals and my priorities? So those are three things that I still, and, and, I, and I, I constantly find myself in that loop again. So it's a daily reminder for me of, I remember, you know, as we were working through our goals, there was one, I had, you know, my, my top work priority and, and you're like, so how much time did you carve out today to get that done? And I was like, oh, I've got, you know, 10 meetings and they're back to back and from eight to 10 at night, you know, is when I can work on that. And by that, I'm exhausted and I just go to bed, right? Not getting it done. And so, you know, again, it was another opportunity. It's a daily exercise, man, <laughs> because everything else creeps in and it's hard. It's a lesson to say no to the right things or redirect and re-examine and set expectations because that's my biggest challenge is under stress. I will clam up and not communicate. And so that's where I need to voice over and get more, you know, these other priorities have come in, let's reset that expectation. So having those really difficult conversations that are hard to have. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's not like you start with this, you know, coaching or self-growth and everything changes. That's not how it works. It's a process that we are committed to every day of our life. It does get easier. It does get easier in certain areas. Some moments it doesn't, like you said. What's great about what you're saying is you're giving us kind of an understanding of how you got out of that. Because like I said, when we met, if I don't know, I would rate you high, high stress and high anxiety. Yeah. Yep. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Yep. Now, even though you're still having to remind yourself and you get into those, you know, situations where you didn't set the expectation, you might not have had the difficult conversation. What are you doing now to stay out of that high level of stress and anxiety? You, you know, Mal, that's a great, great question. And I think it's a number of different things. And part of some of the work we did as well was, um, I, I remember a comment where you said, oh, wow, you're really hard on yourself. You know, it's that inside voice, right? Like, so I'm more cognizant now as far as how do I talk to myself? You know, am I showing up like my best friend and my best advocate and promoter or am I 
berating and focusing it on, you know, what didn't get done, right? So at the end of the day, now I do a to done list versus a to do list, right? Like, what did I get done so that I can celebrate the small things? And I did it even this weekend. Um, I said, all right, I'm going to, what are my top three priorities? And when I was finished that list tomorrow, it was 25 things long. Wow. You know, which you cannot possibly do. So, you know, how can you do it? So how do you kind of refocus on, you know, so now I'm like, what is the number one thing I need to get done today and celebrate that and feel good about that and check it against, you know, those priorities. I think the other thing is really just, you know, when you, you talked a little bit about it, I think at the beginning and just moving, I'm moving more. You know, I am more active than I was. My husband and I go on three mile walk every morning. You know, sometimes we'll, you know, go into more like tasky kind of oriented things. Um, but we are trying to keep that more lighthearted and fun and just, and, and we do it at like five, five thirty in the morning so that the stars are still out, you know, which is kind of amazing. And yeah. So that's, a couple. I love that. It's been, it's, yeah, it's been really great. It, and it really started through COVID. I think the other thing I do is every morning is what are a couple of things I'm grateful for and just starting out with a gratitude list versus I think where I used to show up with kind of dread, that dread of the day. And now I I start with, you know, a little bit of gratitude. I take a little bit of time for myself. Sometimes I meditate, sometimes I journal, sometimes it's just the walk and I, you know, try to feel good about that. So it's more of the little things, you know, and not overcomplicating things. Because that's, that's my other part is let me go away and make a three to five year plan, you know, yeah. that's detailed and I'm going to take a year to do that and then I'll start working on it. You know? It's like so many people. <laughs> I mean, I, I resonate with that. So I get it. I was like that too. So how do you set expectations now or say no? Do you feel more comfortable to do that? That's a muscle I'm still building, to be honest with you, as far as saying no. And because there's a culture of trying to say yes. So I'm, I'm more mindful about it. And I, and I need to check my, my intentions as well, right? Is it, you know, why am I saying no, right? Because sometimes I say no because I'm afraid or scared or don't feel like I've got the tools, right? And that comes from that little mantra that says, you're a rock, you're an island, you've got to do this by yourself, right? And so now I try to pause before I commit to something and say, again, like, check it with that delegation map, right? Does Do I have to do it? Does it have to be done? Can it be done? You know, is this the right thing to do? And who can I ask? You know, yeah. so now I'm I'm more comfortable saying, paint a picture of that for me. What does that look like for you? Um, help me understand what success of that looks like for you at the end of the day. You know, how urgent is this? You know, there's other things on my plate, you know, today. So I'm still building the muscle of saying no, because I still don't like to do it. It sounds like you're definitely getting better at, at setting expectations, even though I know for you, you think it's definitely a work in progress, which it is so. probably will be forever, but definitely you are, from what you just said, you're doing it though. You're having those conversations. Yeah not just saying yes automatically like before. So be, when I looked back at what you, the parts of you that really you didn't develop before, it was being spontaneous, having fun and being lighthearted. And then what you wanted to develop is to feel more engaged, lighthearted and direct. So um, we talked about your drama mode, which was poor little Mary Martyr. And when you are in that mode, which we all have one, right? I told you already, mine is, I have two that I know of so far. 
It's lash out lunatic because when I'm under stress, I intend to, which is embarrassing, right? But I lash out. Yeah. I have one that I've re- uncovered just the last year and I call it a major pain because I'm really mean to myself. So like, oh, geez. Actually, um, yeah. So <laughs> it's not nice to myself. It's like kind of make myself do what I feel like I need to do. Um, but your power persona, that's who you really are in your heart and soul, who you are in your best day is Michelle Obama, right? You know what? That's where it started. And then it evolved, you know, so another leader that I've been listening a lot to is Brene Brown. Um, And I, you know, one of the things I really admire about her is she's, she's, she's very obviously, you know, vulnerable and shows up, you know, with that strong back, soft front or soft heart. Mm -hmm. um, And has been, I think, a really good model. And, And actually, that was another thing that during lockdown, one of the things I started was a book read of her Dare to Lead and yeah. got a bunch of women together, colleagues, friends, you know, their friends. And I think we had about 12 of us, 10 to 12 people that, you know, we would get together and we did this read along and every week we'd sort of discuss it. We do breakout groups. And and that was a really nice opportunity to, to grow individually, to kind of take a leadership role with other women and to really kind of build that support network. Because I think that that's where men do so much better than than women do as far as building those support networks. Like we'll start it and then, oh, I got to do the kid thing. And, you know, there's so many other things that get in the way. Um, so that was a really uh, a great, a great lesson and a great opportunity. So she's now my kind of power persona. I is, love that. What would, what would Brene Brown do in this that's situation? That's so great. Did you, uh, do you call on that sometimes when you're in a... A situation where you feel like you're getting oh absolutely yeah yeah absolutely I will call on that that curiosity and learning I think she's a great example of that and so I definitely will call on that as well you know and I call on that group of women you know periodically too when I'm you know, struggling with something I you know need something I need a perspective on something that was a great way to get you know my friends better to get new new you know learn about new leaders so that, that's been a great opportunity as well. That's great. I love to hear that. Is there anything else you wanted to leave us with before we, we end today? You know what? <clears throat> we had a conversation. My, my oldest son is doing an internship with a company that he's, you know, he's been, he's been doing an internship and he's going back this summer. And so one of the great things is he called us the other day and he said, how do I ask for a raise? You know, because I've been, you know, contributing to this team and putting this, you know, work together. And, and I was, and he's like, I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I also want to acknowledge what are the value I'm bringing to this group as, as an intern. And that was, that sort of made my heart sing. And my husband was, you know, great. And, and I, and as far as having that conversation with him, and I was so proud because I think that that was something that, you know, in my early youth and development, I would just be oh, so grateful and you yes. did not pay me to do this, right? You sort of go back to that beginning thing. And I was, it was really wonderful to hear him, you know, have that self-confidence to ask for that and to acknowledge, you know, the value he's bringing to the table, even though he's learning and new. And so for me, that's also very inspirational and kind of a constant you know, reminder for me in my own journey around, there are lots of different models out there and lots of different examples. And, you know, I always think about learn one, do one, teach one, 
and that teacher can come from, you know, anywhere. Right. So I, I, I get the chills because it makes me think of how, what a blessing it is for our children to teach us something. Yeah. yeah. Also, I do think it's a testament to you and Rick that your son is, has that type of confidence. I think that's, yeah. Really, yeah. Well, this time has been wonderful. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your honesty and vulnerability. Uh, definitely living your power persona, Brene Brown. I love that. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you, Amel. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Take care.